The MLB Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN, and then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. All right, already, welcome back to a brand new episode of the MLB Gambling Podcast. Yes, this is a brand new host or a brand new voice of a host here. It's Noah Beanick. Um, you can follow me at 77NB on Twitter. It is May 10th. We're recording for Thursday's May 11th games, 5 o'clock, our normal start time. And my guest today is Scott Reichel. Scott, how are we doing today? Doing pretty well. Nice to be back. I know that I was actually in charge of the hosting duties yesterday, and it went pretty well as I was doing the show with Dylan. As for the picks, so far, so good. Can't complain yeah. pretty early on through the card, but I had the Tigers as my dog at plus 110. Still have no clue why Rodriguez was plus 110, but thank you. No I clue. appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> they didn't give up a run, so that definitely helps out. Uh, besides that, I like the Nationals' first five, fading Manaya. They're up 9-1. Uh, can't really complain. Like the Yankees' run line, like the over in that game, like the Rockies. Yeah, so far, so good. Hopefully it stays that way for the uh, next couple of games, but hopefully it also stays that way for Thursday's games. Yeah, for real. Uh, good stuff there. Um, we got a short slate today, so we'll insert a couple of other topics that we'll talk about. Um, first one from the comments in here is Slicky Ricky. Welcome to the chat. Uh, he goes, Malcolm, I FedExed a precious kitty your way. Um, Scott, you had a funny response there to him in the chat prior to the show. Um, but yeah, Malcolm out. He's in London right now, so handing over the show's duties here. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, Ricky, by the way, my only advice for you, uh, make sure you put some air holes in the box. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully that, that kitten does have something to breathe out of uh, through flight because where, wherever he's sending it from, he's probably got to send it over the pond or across the pond, whatever they say. Um, the first game that we have on Thursday's slate is the New York Mets at the Cincinnati Reds. Um only money line right now uh, because we do not have a confirmed pitcher for the Reds. The Mets are minus 135 on it. Uh, the Reds are plus 115 on the money line. Officially, we have two guys named TBA, but uh, Kodai Senga just got announced, just got confirmed. So I loved your joke yesterday about the starting pitcher named Undecided, and you favored him in that game. Um, so the the Reds, they have him going again here today. Two starts in back-to-back days. Um, this one's tough to project as uh, there really isn't any reason for uh, the Reds. I didn't, it's Luis Sessa's turn. Uh, I think they just sent him onto the IL and the Reds well, they, are calling they, up. They just designated him for, designated oh, yeah, him for assignment. So, okay. so he's done. So. Yeah. So they're, they're calling up Ben Lively here in this spot. I believe he's 31 years old with 26 MLB games experience. Not good. His career ERA is over five, and then he played in the KBO for a stint. Still not good. 462 ERA over 112 innings the first year, and then his second season was 405 and 33.1, and the Koreans sent him packing. Back to AAA this season where he's a 233 ERA in 27 innings with 16 Ks, 10 walks. Scott, it's Kodai Senga, and we assume Ben Lively. What are you thinking here? So 
The Mets are obviously not in great form. They lost the opener in the series uh, by one run. Almost had a thrilling comeback, but didn't pull it off. Now, Lively's numbers, as you said, assuming he's going to start, have actually been decent in the minors this year. However, he is still 31, and he hasn't exactly had his footing in the majors. So, historically speaking, I'm not sure he's that great of a pitching prospect, but I know Sango's been really good this year. Uh, with the Ghost Fork uh, 4-1 record, 3.38 ERA. I guess the only question is, with the money line, do you want to lay a price this big with a Mets team that's kind of fallen off a cliff lately, or you don't really mind because the starting pitching advantage is that noticeable that you're willing to take the Mets anyway? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it, I don't mind it. Minus 135 with Kodai Senga is done all right. The only issue is, is like I'm keeping an eye on him. His expected ERA is a little bit higher than his actual. Even though it is Great American Ballpark, I don't think it burns him here. Senga has a great 50% ground ball rate this season so far. If Senga limits his walks, I favor him here because... I think he's likely going to do better than a pitch-to-contact guy inside the Great American Shoebox. So I think that's going to work for the Mets here. I, I think minus 135 is a very favorable price. Yeah, I'm going to go with the under as well. Uh, going into this matchup, I figured Sanga versus Undecided would probably be a blind Mets 170, <laughs> give or take. I mean, you're trying to think of the differential there in terms of reputation for these teams as well as the pitching projections. Sanga right now is going to be one of the favorites to win the NL Rookie of the Year. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I do think he'll be in the running, and he's been very solid this year. He's made the transition pretty easily to the majors. Yep. Meanwhile, you have Cincinnati throwing in a last-minute report placement who doesn't exactly have much MLB experience this season at least assuming it's going to be lively or somebody else the point is they're kind of scrambling and Cincinnati's regular rotation wasn't good and now they're adding new people to potentially join the rotation so it's not a good sign there I'm with you uh, I know yesterday on the show when we were talking about the, the Yankees and asked and the athletics game I said that 170 was too short and then about I don't know 20 minutes later it was minus 210 yeah. There's no way 135 is going to stand here for the Mets. I'd be no. shocked if this line closed anywhere below 150, 160. Probably is going to close 170, 180, just based yep. on reputation and the fact that Sanga is better than whoever the Reds decide, unless Hunter Green pitches back-to-back days, which I don't think is going to happen. So I'm going to go with the Mets uh, at minus 135. I really like the price there for the much better starting pitcher. Yeah, and like you mentioned yesterday, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, the price did move on you guys. And I think Dylan wanted to lock up the Mets. It was mentioned at the end of the show, correct? And then I think he talked him out of it. Like it was minus 210 at the time. You wanted the, Yan- you wanted the Yankees. The, the Yankees, Yankees were not 170. The Mets. And I want- the run line was like, yeah, 130, one, plus 130, plus yeah. 140. And then by the end of the show, it was minus 210 and minus 110. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah. This line is so off. Minus 135 right now. I want the Mets as my lock, so I'm announcing it here seven minutes into the live show. So if you are listening live, um, it's the Mets today uh, from me. Um, But let me tell you about Shady Rays. We're teaming up with uh, Shady Rays for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, uh, and much more. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures, and that's not all. 
Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you break or lose your pair, even on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after purchase. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And for our international listeners, Malcolm, listen up. Shady Rays has you covered as well with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. All right, Scott. Game two here, we have the San Diego Padres and the Minnesota Twins, 12.35 I'm seeing. Um, so this is 11.35 Central time for the Twinkies. Um, money line, minus 115 towards the Padres, plus 102 for the Twins. Uh, over, under, set at 8.5. Under is minus 115. And the minus one and a half for the Padres, plus one forty, plus one and a half, minus one eighty four for the Twins. Um, for me here, I see that getting the ball for the Friars will be you, Darvish. He's two and two with a three nineteen ERA, um, and bumping for the Twinkies is Bailey Ober. He has that MLB SGPN stamp of approval, owning a two and zero record, a zero ninety eight ERA through his first three starts. Scott, how are you separating the two teams here on Thursday? So first things first, I think you got to look at the under in this game at eight and a half. I'm a fan of both starting pitchers. Minnesota really has had an issue hitting the ball lately. Uh, I know they're technically in first place in division for now. They have lost three straight games, but they also have scored less than four runs in each of the last four games. And it's actually misleading because five games ago, they beat the White Sox 7-5, but they also scored a bunch of runs in extra innings. So they've scored less than four runs in nine innings in each of their last five games. They can't hit. So I think at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the uh, the Padres. At least I'm going to lean that way. But I do like the under in this game, just based on the fact that I trust both starting pitchers. Minnesota's offense in a bit of a funk. Correa's been getting booed, so it hasn't exactly gone well for him this year. I'm going to go with the under, and I'm going to lean to San Diego. If you want to give me Darvish, who I know can be hit or miss at times, but still a solid pitcher in general, Mm -hmm. I think it's a pretty solid deal with San Diego in this spot, so I'm going to lean to the Padres. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And for me, I really like both of these pitchers as well. And you can tell a four-year-old to look at you Darv or uh, look at um, you Darvish's Statcast page, and it's all red. Um, so you can tell that he's pitching well. I feel more comfortable in a first five under here. Both these pens aren't terribly yeah. bad, but Minnesota's bullpen does have an ERA of 409 over the past two weeks, which is 20th in the MLB. But these offenses over the past month haven't been too good against right-handed pitching. Um, you mentioned it, but uh, Twins, they're 18th um, with a 717 OPS. Padres, 23rd with a 671. There's an opportunity here for a first five under, and I'll take it. Also, runners are 33 for 37, stealing bags against Darvish since 2019. So if you're looking at uh, props there, stolen bases against Darvish uh, for the Twins. I know I know Buxton early on through like the first three weeks didn't even attempt to steal. I know he does have at least one uh, right now. So maybe they've given him the green light after one month of durability. Um, but Michael A. Taylor is another guy to target in this uh, lineup. The 
Chicago White Sox and Kansas City Royals is our next game on deck here, 1.10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Royals, minus 115 at home. The White Sox, minus 102, a small dog. Um, the total set at 9.5. The over, minus 120. The under, plus 100. And we have the reverse uh, run line here, kind of. The White Sox, minus 1.5, plus 155. The Royals, plus 1.5, minus 180. So you're getting the Royals. Uh, at a more expensive money line price, but then they're plus one and a half. Usually that's a telltale sign of the books have no idea what's going to happen here, and the White Sox are just the more popular team. Um, starting for the south side is Mike Clevenger. He's 2-3 and three with a 484 ERA, and then former Florida Gator Brady Singer will take the mound for KC, and he's regressed so far this year after a good season a year ago. Singer is 2-4 and four with an 884 882 ERA, sorry. It's brutal. Scott, how are you painting the pitcher? So, I don't really trust either guy, so I'm going to go with the over, just simply put. <laughs> As for the side, I guess in theory I'm leaning to the White Sox because the Royals are still 4-17 and 17 at home. So, I guess I'll lean Chicago, but i got to go with the over here. It's not a good sign when one pitcher has an 8.82 ERA, the other pitcher has a 4.84 ERA, and their whips are separated by .07. That's not a good sign <laughs> for both pitchers in this matchup. I'm going to go with the over. Clevenger, what happened to him? He used to be really good on Cleveland, had a couple injuries, and it hasn't really worked out for him since. As for Singer, what really happened to him? Because he was pretty solid, nice up-and-coming pitcher. I know the Royals fired their bullpen. They fired a bunch of coaches in the pitching yeah, staff they in the past. Out. and It hasn't exactly worked out without that, that uh, coaching staff anyway because uh, none of the pitchers have been good this year. I'm going to go with the over in this one. I gave out the Royals team total over uh, for the show yesterday, which hasn't happened yet, so hopefully that cashes against Lance Lynn. But I don't trust either starting pitcher. I definitely don't trust either bullpen. Uh, shout out to Aaron Bummer. I can't believe he's still in the league based on what he's done this year. <laughs> but I'm going to go with the over in this one. I don't really trust either pitching staff whatsoever, and I think you'll see runs. Give me the over. Scott just sticking that knife right in me and twisting it because I've kind of been on like, hey, this Royals pitching staff isn't as bad as it was last year. And, I mean, Brad Keller's fallen off after his hot start. Brady Singer's not looking great. Maybe he's been okay. I've Granky, well, you can't credit that to the new pitching coach, is no. what I was trying to say. Chapman is the good. only guy that yeah. I can really hang my hat on. That you know, it still looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel for this pitching staff. It's going to be a little bit better than last year, hopefully. I think, um, but I mean, yeah. Do you remember the night, uh, the other night, Amir Garrett like threw up on the field? <laughs> Yeah, this is this is me looking at this game, trying to find an angle for the listeners here. That's me looking um, at a side. I think the I think the total until I see one of these pitchers or both have quality starts, I think I got to take the over in this. Yeah, game, but I? both offenses are bottom ten in the league in OPS in the last month against righties. So it's yeah, it, but I, I mentioned it for the <laughs> I mentioned it for the Kansas City team total yesterday though. Kansas City offensively has actually been pretty They've good for the past. Week. Picked it up over the last two weeks. Yeah, so I think that gives me a little bit more reassurance there. Yeah, the White Sox are rough. Let's, let's just put it that way. <laughs> Definitely rough, but they still have talent in the lineup. The issue yeah. is just consistency and uh, just a lot of players who have upside but have just not been able to piece it together. Once mm -hmm. again, it's a pretty tough game. It's a, ga it's a game that a gambler could love, but I'm going to go with the over. <laughs> I, I just have a hard time of finding much value on the side. 
Yeah, some of our guys, Scott, have put the White Sox in so-called a timeout. Malcolm invented this like 14-day fade list. I think it was like nine and five for him. Um, he he did that after like they made a few errors in the late innings to burn him on a money line bet here with the South Side. I mean, are you also somewhat of a DJ that believes in an auto fade list, or do you have one? Like any sport. I know you cover tennis and NBA for the uh, for the network and plenty of other things that you dip your toes into. Uh, anything that you just say, hey, no, I, I can't go anywhere near that. Well, just for clarification, timeout means it's not an auto fatalist. It's a list of I'm not a, I'm not getting involved with this team whatsoever. Is that the point? Uh, yeah, it, it was a 14-day fade list where they literally picked the other. So Malcolm's done with it, but Dylan's like on day eight, I think. They uh-huh. literally have picked just for a bit on the other team against the White Sox for the last two and a half weeks straight. So I've never gone that far, but there are some spots <laughs> where I'll automatically look at a team and I'll say, I'm not betting on you again for the rest of the season. I, I tend to do it in each sport on occasion. Uh, if a team burns me a couple of times, or maybe I just don't like the overall effort, uh, so I'm not going to auto fade them. Usually, I'll do that in like a losing streak, or if the price is going to be absurd. For example, the Cardinals the last couple of weeks—they've yeah. been favored in almost every game. They lost like eight in a row, or whatever it was. And even if you lose once, that's okay because you won the previous five, so you can deal with losing at one time. So every now and then, I'll bet a streak like that, and I'll wait until the wheels fall off. As for staying away and some timeouts, I definitely have done that. I feel like you have to at some point. You have so many teams in the league, so many players or pitchers in particular in baseball that maybe just have a bad read on, and you realize, I'm going to keep losing money one way or another. I just can't figure this guy out, so why am I bothering? I'm, I'm pretty quick to... Be I'm pretty quick to distance myself from teams or players that I don't have a good read on because you usually have a lot of other options uh, to choose from. So I do that. As for the auto fatalist for two weeks, that I don't (laughs) do uh, because I, once again, think everything's kind of matchup dependent. But I I do definitely avoid betting on certain teams and players if I've been wrong before. I forgot which I think it was the Mariners like last year or two years ago. They had a stretch early in the year. They just couldn't hit. And I took their over. They kind of did it again this year. They kind of did it. I think it was against like Homer Bailey, I think. Oh, man. And he he torched them. Like they couldn't get a run in. And I I think the (laughs) the team total is like three and a half. And I'm like, I I can't do this. Like, no, I I can't. So I took a break for a couple months. I think I went back to it at some point. But (laughs) I'm not afraid to get burned once and then to leave it alone. But the auto the auto fade out of spite that's a little bit much for me. Yeah, I mean this is a great conversation. We're gonna come right back to it after this ad with Talkify. Uh, in life, there's full it, it's full of what ifs. So what if you're trying something new when it comes to dating? Talkify is a brand new way to meet other serious singles. And what if they help you find what you're looking for? Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve success. Their trusted compatibility specialists hands select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify matchmakers meet with you to learn about what you're looking for in a partner. Then they'll select and screen potential matches for you, doing background checks, video interviews, and asking the tough questions that are too awkward to ask on first dates. From there, your matchmaker plans your date, introductions, and handles all communications for you, creating a safe and stress-free dating experience. 
Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of their clients met their person within the first 12 matches. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash SGPN. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com slash SGPN for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash SGPN. You mentioned the Cardinals in that part. Uh, Last year for me, it was the Twins that I just had absolutely no read on, and I would put like a warning sign like if i ever led off the analysis would trade off games and stuff i'm like i have absolutely no read on the twins but you mentioned the cardinals and we also talked about the white Sox. both those teams they have good rosters they just can't figure it out right now mm-hmm. we've had you on this podcast multiple times and if um anybody's new listening to this uh this year to the mlb gambling podcast scott is our producer he does great work behind the scenes um sending out the initial uh tweet announcing that the show is live um oftentimes i'll edit out some parts where uh malcolm gets the date wrong you know basic stuff (laughs) other times just after hours working um but you were on for a, a trade deadline episode with us last year yeah our are the White Sox or Cardinals sellers come deadline day this year? I, I think they have to be, right? I, I, the Cardinals, you can make an argument, are going to hold out longer because they just won the division last year. Yeah. I think Marmol's getting fired before the All-Star break. Like I, I think Good if rooms. you're going to follow what teams usually do in the situation, if a team did well last year, which the, which the Cardinals did, you can argue that you wanted them to be more successful in the playoffs, but they had a great run. The Brewers also kind of handed them the division because they traded away Hater and they kind of just decided to save. <laughs> I remember, cap. I remember you but, going all in on the Brewers last year. <laughs> well, I, I had to roast them for it because they just rolled over, and I'm like, "What? What the hell? What the hell are you doing?" And hey, we were fine with it though because we bet the Cards to win the division at the All Star. Oh, I break. ended up betting the Cardinals to win the division after the <laughs> trade happened, but. Who they get? They got like Lamette in that trade as well. Yeah, Lamette they got bouncing Wilson, Lamette, and uh, and Lamette got waived, right? He didn't, pitch for the, he didn't pitch for Milwaukee, right? Didn't they wave him like that same week or something? Yeah, they might have. Um, Whatever. The, the did point they is, Estieri yeah. Ruiz was is no Estieri no, Ruiz was on Oakland. Oakland. Um, that was like a three-way trade though, because um, I think. The Padres couldn't. I don't know. I'm not gonna. Well, the I'm point is, I thought they could have gone more, but the fact that the Brewers basically traded away their best reliever at the time told me that they just didn't care about winning the division, and the Cardinals won <laughs> it by default. They're in the NL Central though, and right now Pittsburgh's in first. They're in free fall. I know they won with Mitch Keller the other day, but they lost again on yeah. Wednesday. The so you can make, that was you can my make, dog, baby. Yeah, you can make an <laughs> argument. Hang around, see what happens. But I do think that with Goldschmidt winning the MVP last year, with Arenado having a really bad year, I still think he's hurt. I think he's been playing through an injury for the last he couple might of be. weeks. Yeah, he got hit by a pitch in the WBC. Yeah, and it seemed like his swing with his wrist wasn't exactly sharp for the first couple of weeks. But I think Marmol's going to be shown the door before the All-Star break. They're going to blame it on him realistically. I, once again, I said <laughs> it in – I said it, yeah, as a scapegoat or just as the fact that I don't think he's a great manager – I really thought he might have lost the locker room when he basically roasted O'Neal in the first week of the season. It was a bad move from the manager. I mean, it was still it was a week. And honestly, O'Neal wasn't dogging it too bad. I didn't home. think it was that bad, O'Neal. No. I just thought it was a terrible send by the third base coach. <laughs> it was pretty bad on his part. Um, did you see the clip from Jack Flaherty last night? 
I no, took I move out, and basically a reporter asked Flaherty. He goes, "Your your fastball was down a little bit tonight." And then before he could even finish his question, Flaherty goes, "I'm not listening to any more of this fastball stuff. I tinker with it throughout the game. It's the art of pitching. Blah blah blah. Like that's how you pitch." And then a different reporter. The different one than the one that asked him about the fastball. He goes, "Hey man, we're just trying to ask you, uh, so we can figure out what your answer is going to say instead of us just assuming that uh, you are hurt." And see, he goes, see, I figured, "Well, I figured the reporter was going to tell him we want to know why you became bad at pitching. I thought that's what he was going to say." But <laughs> well, then then Flaherty spouted off at the reporter that presses him, and he goes, "Well, then you just don't know how to pitch." <laughs> and, I mean, like. I'm, it's fair. Like I'm going to take the pro over the Joe in that in that instance. But I just think that's the state of this whole Cardinals clubhouse: short fuses and just inconsistency. And the rotation was the big issue for me in the preseason. And you bring in a new catcher, Wilson Contreras, who has to figure out how to catch all these guys because all of them were pitch to contact guys. You were able to employ shifts on the defensive side of the well, game. Well, just to fix something, a uh, former catcher, Wilson Contreras, right? <laughs> Is he playing around? like He's all over the place at this point. They gave yeah, up you're, you're going to put him in left field when your outfield is fucking crowded with prospects right now. I'd rather have Tatis in the outfield if I had to choose between the two of them, but I, I can't imagine Contreras trying to show off his speed, uh, trying to, you know, shag some fly balls. But, yeah, they've been a mess. But it, do it just doesn't seem like they have much direction, but I think the argument is they did win the division last year. They still have some talent. And the Annals Central, really not great. So I, I think the Cardinals will potentially be sellers, but I think that they're going to hold on to everybody as long as possible and go from there. Plus, I'm not sure what the market even is for Flaherty. With yeah, the injuries he's had and the form he's been in for the last couple of years, and it's only a half year. He's got and his command has been his command's been brutal. He yeah, walks he so many guys. Him. Like it, I don't know what he's actually worth. He's kind of a project at this point. <laughs> the The White Sox have nothing. The White Sox have talent, but they have guys who don't hustle. They have no actual culture, and they have no infrastructure. If you're asking who I think is going to be selling quicker. It's the White Sox, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it would be the White Sox fire sale. It would be like you have Tim Anderson and Lou Bob as your top pieces, um, Vaughn as a top draft pick, and then, man, uh, Grandal's nothing, uh, not worth anything. But, I mean, so you mentioned it with uh, Wilson Contreras in the outfield, by the way, with his speed and lack of, I well, You said say. catcher, so I'm saying technically former catcher because yeah. they don't even know what they're doing with the guy. Well, this is where I was going with this. Like, people are going to think that I'm putting down Dylan again. Well, he, he called Jazz Chisholm a liability on yesterday's podcast. Chisholm's top 10 in every uh, uh, outfield defensive metric. He's like an NL gold glove center fielder. So I called year. him relatively overrated, and then Dylan went through the defensive stuff. But it's mostly just because of the fact well, – I'm not going to turn this into a jazz chisel thing because I said it yesterday. <laughs> he's he's on the cover of the video game. He's an entertaining yes, player. I play a lot. <laughs> he's allegedly a future face in the league. Allegedly. I need to see a bit more. It he's a future feels face very of premature. Team Great Britain for Malcolm. It feels very premature, and it also helps when he's surrounded in the Marlins lineup by a lot of guys who aren't exactly great at hitting, so he looks good by comparison. Arise is Arise. I mean, that's he's one of the best hitters, pure hitters yeah. in the league. I, I love Arise. But in general, they just don't have much, so I think Chisholm looks better by comparison, but I think he's good. 
I just think that he can be a lot better. I felt the same way about O'Neill Cruz before the injury. Mm -hmm. Top prospect, supposed to be really good. The batting average last year was terrible. The on-base percentage was awful. He struck out a lot. I know the upside's there. Yeah, I need and to he see did have a good the start, next level too. before I crown the guy. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, and if you're saying that about O'Neill, wait till you see this Reds prospect, Ellie De La Cruz, coming up. He's basically like O'Neill 2.0. Um, so he had, yeah, he had like a 470-foot bomb yesterday, I think. Yes, he had three balls hit 116 miles an hour or harder. First time ever in StatCast history that a single team hit three balls 116 miles an hour, let alone it was the same player who did it. Um, but, yeah, Jazz, is he's third in outs above average in the outfield. I think he's fifth in outfield jump and uh, catch probability. I think he's ninth. Like, that is an NL uh Gold Glove center fielder, um, but uh, yeah, just go track. back. Just go back to the oh, prospect thing. Sorry, it, it's just mostly no. the fact that I like to see hour. guys fully succeed at the next level before yeah. I immediately assume this guy's going to make ten All Star teams and he's worth three hundred million dollars. Because you're going to make an argument that the Marlins are going to pay a Chisholm, well, like a Wander Franco type contract, like ten plus years, X amount of money, lock him down for eternity. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it either, but I, that's what I'm saying. I want to see a bit more. Yeah. And you mentioned the Reds. I kind of felt the same way about Hunter Green. The strikeouts are there. The velocity is there, but his ERA wasn't very good. And, you know, he's had some issues uh, actually keeping runs off the scoreboard. So I'd yeah. rather see guys fully succeed before I initially crown them. And that's kind of my point I was going to make. But, well, you mentioned the Cardinals. Do they have any good catching prospects or they basically are no. completely just screwed? Yeah, they're they're fucked. Um, okay. You have Kisner that's catching right now, but I mean he's not an everyday catcher. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, the, the the face of baseball, or just inserting Jazz into that conversation, he's uh, from the Bahamas, so that, I think that's a another place that yeah. the MLB wants to tap. And oh, he's a lot uh, of fun. He's, he's got a lot of prospects. star power too. Yeah, he but... is. I brought it up for the video game purpose. I mean, not, that doesn't mean anything, it. but I got, I'm just saying, I thought it was a weird choice at the time. Didn't it was, I? very. <laughs> but, oh well. Yeah, I mean, you've got a couple other players that haven't been on the cover yet, and I don't know, you, you choose Jazz. But, um, yeah, let's get back on track here. Um, we have an hour. So. Which team is going to trade or blow up the team faster? I'd probably go White Sox. White Sox. White Sox going to blow it all up. If they don't have a choice. If, if they don't get within, like, six games of first by July. They have to. Because they're going nowhere if they don't. Um, the Cardinals, the they have more time to play around. The core Would one you? what? An, adv- a, a, an expanded COVID playoff series against Oakland. <laughs> and they won what? One game? No, they lost. Season? They lost to Oakland. Liam Hendricks shut them out. Uh, shut them down. They lost to I didn't remember yeah. if they, that's right. They lost. Okay, so they lost to Oakland and they won one game against Houston. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. I, at this point, the core is the core. I, I think you know that you have to probably move on. Yeah, and I mean they didn't get quite what they wanted out of Eloy. Uh, Dylan Cease is really the only bright spot, and he's struggling this year. Yeah, he's too. been he's been iffy this year. So yeah. So, um, yeah. Like like we always joke around. I lead the SGPN league in expected 
minutes per podcast. It's XMPP, our advanced analytic that we create, uh, created here. We got, we got six games, so it's, it's yeah, fine. It, exactly, it's exactly. Good. We have an hour show that we do every day. The next game, too, I, I feel like you could take it and run with it for a little bit. It's the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees. Um, let me pull up the odds for this game real quick. It is... We have the Rays minus 125, the Yankees plus 110, the over under set at eight and a half. The over, uh, it's minus 110 both ways. Minus one and a half for the Rays plus 130, and my, plus one and a half for the Yankees plus 145. Scott, the uh, Yankees are your team. Seeing that the Rays, they, I mean, they are going to hand the ball to Drew Rasmussen, who's three and two with a 311 ERA. He's going to face Domingo Herman, two and two with a 435. Uh, they're your team. Take the floor. So the Yankees historically over the last couple of years have just gotten destroyed by Tampa. It's just, it's just how it goes. Tampa beats <laughs> us all the time. Uh, now they did end up playing over the weekend. Tampa won the series. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have because the Yankees blew a 6 nothing lead with Garrett Cole on the mound and they lost in extras. <laughs> but still, I think I am an only to the Yankees at plus money here. Uh, they just saw Rasmussen. I know Herman got off to a really bad start this year. He's actually been pretty good his last couple outings. The cure to any slump is to face the Oakland A's. And the Yankees ended up sweeping. They woke up offensively. A big difference between the weekend series and this upcoming series, of course, one is the fact this is at Yankee Stadium compared to, mm-hmm. to the Trop. The other is Aaron Judge because he didn't play in a single game in the Tampa series. And now he's back in the lineup. I know he had a couple RBIs on, I believe it was Tuesday night. But the point is the Yankees are getting close to fuller strength. The pitching staff is still in shambles, but at least the offense is relatively healthy. Tampa really didn't impress me that much in that Yankee series over the weekend. I thought they were going to kill the Yankees, uh, but they really <laughs> let the Yankees hang around. I thought they should have won the game on Saturday. Then the bullpen kind of blew it. Uh, Bader had that go-ahead two-run single, and the Yankees found a way to sneak that game out. They probably should have won Sunday. I'm going to lean Yankees a plus money here. I like the fact that they have been at home facing off against Oakland, gaining some confidence. Herman's been okay. And you have the Yankees with Bader and with Judge. And I, I know Bader left early on when, in Wednesday's game. I'm pretty sure that was just because they were up by about 40 runs in like the third inning. I think they just pulled him <laughs> to keep him healthy because he's had some injury issues this season. Yeah, I'm going to lean to the Yankees. I like him at plus money in the spot. You can argue it's a coin flip, but then you're getting plus money on a coin flip. Give me a healthier lineup with the Yankees at plus 105. Speaking of coin flip, I found this graphic on the timeline over the weekend. I think it was prior to Sunday's game, and that game had uh, a high score in it. So I don't uh, don't think these runs and home runs totals are the same. But last Sunday on the Rays broadcast, the uh, they pulled up the head-to-head stats between the Yankees and the Rays since 2010. Each team had 121 wins against each other. The Yankees, 980 runs. The Rays, 985. The Rays also had 297 home runs compared to 295 for the Yankees. Batting average, five points of difference. This reminds me a lot of, like, maybe uh, Duke, North Carolina, last 110 matchups. And and you said that was 2010, right? Yeah, since 2010. And then the Rays broadcast goes down below. So, like, they, they do it as maybe a tiebreaker or whatever. Rays defeated the Yankees 3 2 in the 2020 uh, ALDS. I feel like if you just met, if you just throw out the, the last, like, three year sample size instead of 2010, I'm assuming Tampa's decently ahead of the Yankees in head to head. It feels like Tampa always beats the Yankees, uh, at least wins the season series for the last couple of years. 
That might be true. Uh, yeah, you're more embedded in it than I am. But I'm going to start my handicap with some PVB here because we haven't seen too many pitchers on the slate that have uh, big sample sizes against the teams that they've faced uh, or are facing, I should say. Domingo Herman does, though, and Yandy Diaz hits him pretty well. Six for 17 with a 353 average and a homer, two doubles. Uh, I'm going to point the listeners towards a K prop for this game. And I'm actually going to Domingo Herman's strikeouts. He had only five against Tampa last week, but these home road splits are tremendously big Um, at home, eight, 11, six and six strikeouts in four games, then zero five and eight punch outs on the road. Herman is punching out 28% of the batters he's facing so far this year. And the last matchup against the Rays, um, I think might, lower the price that we see here the Rays have the eighth highest k rate against right-handed pitching at 24 and a half percent uh over the last month so I, I think we might get a favorable price on herman's strikeout so that's something to look at i'd take it at like six six and a half or higher i think you could get seven or more um anything else to add on this game yankees race I think I'd probably lean, I'd consider the under, uh, just based on the fact that I think both pitchers in the spot are a bit underrated. Rasmussen and his career has been very good against the Yankees. The Yankees active batters against him, 41 career at-bats, 44 p- plate appearances if you want to include the three walks. But they have a 195 batting average and a 250 <laughs> on-base percentage. A 220 slugging? They oh are really Lord. bad against the Rasmussen in their career. <laughs> so I'd lean to the under there. you have any thoughts on the side, though? Uh, I will go with – I like the plus money with the Yankees. I thought you made a good point. Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of a coin flip, but the Rasmussen slugging numbers that the Yankees have against him, not great. I'm kind of just hoping Rasmussen goes his classic five to six innings, and then after that you he, see what happens. But He did miss uh, a start in this rotation, I saw last yep. week. I don't think he pitched. I think there was some arm fatigue or soreness, something there. Um, don't quote me on that. I don't know if I'm exactly right. But the next game on our slate is the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, the Giants, minus 135. Diamondbacks, plus 120. This line has moved quite a bit. Ten cents in the favor of the Giants. Um, and the Diamondbacks price has grown by 15 cents. The total is set at nine, um, minus 113 over. So it's basically uh, an even split. And minus one and a half for the Giants my, uh, is plus 120, plus one and a half on the D backs, minus 134. Um, we have a TBA pitcher for the Giants, but I believe it's going to be Alex Cobb. Um, it's his turn in the rotation, and I assume that he's going to make the start coming off his best outing of the season. Seven scoreless innings, five chairs, five hits, two walks. And pitching for the D-backs is my guy Tommy Henry out of the 2019 College World Series runner-up Michigan team. Now, I will say, he's faced a favorable schedule so far this year, and he hasn't blown my skirt up. He's 1-0 with a 5-17 ERA in three starts against the Royals, Rockies, and Nationals. Scott, how do you split the teams? Uh, well, it's difficult because I feel like the spot, you can make an argument they are pretty neck-and-neck, and, neck, and I think that the actual money line price is warranted. I do think I'm going to lean to the Giants' first five here. Cobb has been good this year, and I know Cobb's been a bit of a journeyman. He's been around the block a few times, whether it involved his tenure in Baltimore and Tampa, and once again, he's been around the block a few times. But he's been good this year. We know Cobb and his career has mostly been a ground ball pitcher, 
and he's kind of gone back, gone back to his roots. He's been solid at actually avoiding home runs. He was successful in Mexico, which tells you how good he was at actually forcing ground balls because yeah. the first game had 11 combined home runs. The second game had a lot less than that because Cobb kept the ball in the ballpark. But I am going to lean to the Giants' first five here. Henry, even if he's your guy, I, I really have not been impressed by him. I know he's still young. He can maybe figure it out. Uh, the Giants are getting killed right now, which I expected because I thought Gray would, would pitch relatively well. And once again, Manaya on the mound. I was going to fade blindly anyway. I am going to look to the Giants in the spot, though. I think they're the better pitcher. These teams, I think, are pretty close to each other. Arizona's better right now, uh, but they are a bit shorthanded. Uh, is Corbin Carroll on the I? Is he, is he on the I.L.? No, I think he's playing right now. I, I think he okay. actually missed the IL. He just missed a couple of games. Okay, I wasn't uh, sure if I he was officially on the IL or not, but I know he got hurt. I will pull that up, though. Um, if you have anything else, keep going if you want. To. But anyway, I, I think I'm just going to lean to the Giants' first five here. Uh, I like Cobb compared to Henry. I think the Giants can do enough. They still rely pretty heavily on home runs, uh, but... I do think that Henry can allow a couple of home runs here and there. So that might actually benefit the Giants here. I'm going to lean to San Francisco first five. For the full game, i probably lean over. But I do have more faith in Cobb than I do for Henry. So give me the first five for San Francisco. Yeah, so um, Corbin Carroll not on the IL currently. Cole uh, Solcer just got put on the IL, though, uh, this okay. week with a shoulder injury. Um, but... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with my guy Tommy Henry in Arizona, but it's mainly not because of Henry. It's because of this offense that's been stellar. The league's best OPS against right-handed pitching with an 8.26 OPS over the last month. It's third best WRC plus in the league at 121, and the lowest strikeout rate in the league against right-handed pitching. The Giants they have the uh, they're 19th in OPS against left-handed pitching, 691, 91 WRC plus, and the fifth highest K rate against southpaws at 25 and half percent over the last month. Tommy Henry does a great job of uh, limiting hard contact, and he has one of the league's best outfields behind him. Uh, very pitcher-friendly park here, so I, I think he could do all right. And I'm going to take the home pup in the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Lane Elliott in the chat going, Giants currently getting touched up at home by the Nats. You mentioned that, right? Yeah, uh, Manaya was a, the Giants pitcher who struggled in Mexico because he cannot keep the ball out of the park. So, yeah, Manaya is a guy that I have, I don't want to say been critical of because I know how good he used to be on Oakland. But for the last couple of years, he really just hasn't had it. And he's had some spots here and there, good for a month. But you look at the numbers in the last couple of years for him. He's definitely been in the, I'd say, regressing portion of his career. Is that a safe way to? Is that a safe way to put it? Yeah, I, I think it's safe. Um, I, I don't. I, yeah, I uh, early on in the season had a bad read on Manaya too, um, so I'm then backtracking on that. But I think uh, at this point we can say that, yeah, it was just maybe a blip in the radar of what could possibly be a bad season on Manaya. And before we get to our last game on the slate here, yesterday's show, you and Dylan were talking about this whole athletics debacle. And I think you and I share a very similar uh, view on this whole situation. If it's something positive for me, I refer to the team as Oakland. If it's negative, I refer to them as the athletics because ownership has purposely tanked this fucking team and they don't spend any money 
to put a good product on the field. So you're purposely not bringing out any attendance to the games to show the league that, hey, your your fan base isn't supporting your team anymore, but that's mainly... I, 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 compared, it, I compared it to the uh, plot it. of the movie Major League, which I yeah, think is pretty accurate. It's 100% what's going on in real life. Like, they, Major League just pulled a fucking Simpsons. Like, they mm-hmm. predicted what's going to happen in the Oakland Athletics franchise. Basically, what is happening here. I think, one, the city of Las Vegas shouldn't even want these guys. And two, this group leaves a city in a complete dumpster fire and now they get to start it all over in a brand new city. I, I don't think that is how it should work. I don't think that's fair. Anyways, uh, news came out after your all's show yesterday that uh, instead of their original plan that was going to need over $500 million in public funding, what a fucking joke, um, the city of Oakland pulled out uh, on, on this uh, just conversation or like they were trying to make a deal, the Oakland and the athletics, the city of Oakland pulls out, they call the athletics bluff. And now the A's are fucking screwed. Like they literally don't have a place to play. I, believe um, I, men- I mentioned that briefly. I didn't have the details, but I believe I mentioned that earlier in yesterday's podcast saying they've been looking around, trying to find some either temporary stadiums or the funding's yeah. not fully there. So yeah, it, it's a circus. Yeah, it it is. And they might end up playing at their AAA ballpark in Las Vegas next year. Who the fuck knows? But uh, Oakland, like I mentioned, they they completely... Pilots? What are the Las Las Vegas pilots uh, or something? I I think they're the... Aviators? I think they're the aviators. I I knew it was something plane-related. Yeah, okay. Yeah. um, the, The Athletics now have a new deal with Bally's, the same group that's owned by Diamond Sports Group, and they just claimed bankruptcy. I was going to say eight billion dollars in debt. Holy shitballs! Like how how does this happen? Like so, they're going. The plan now is they're going to knock over the Tropicana building in Las Vegas for nine acres, just nine acres, compared to most MLB stadiums, at least like thirty-five acres of land. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a great American ballpark. Imagine Cincinnati's ballpark in Las Vegas. Cincinnati's elevation is 286 feet above sea level. Las Vegas at 2,000. What are they doing? I'm kind of in for it. I'm a fan of home run derby baseball. <laughs> so I'll be taking some overs. But, yeah, it really just seems like the athletics. First of all, you mentioned how Oakland pulled out of the – they should have. I mean, what's yeah. real, the ownership was – I'd say being extremely no. disingenuous. They weren't actually looking for a deal in Oakland. They were kind of just pretending to care. They had their eyes set on Vegas the entire time. I think we all yeah, know that. 100%. But I do find it kind of hilarious that they were so committed to moving to Vegas that they refused to actually flush out any of their plans before they officially made the leap. So now they're completely <laughs> just they're scrambling. They got nothing. So they got to figure it out. Definitely. And moving on into our last game, it's the Texas Rangers. And if you couldn't figure it out already, the Oakland Athletics. Um, There are no odds on this game currently because Oakland has a TBA pitcher. But going for the Rangers is Nathan Valdi. (laughs) No, it doesn't. Does it matter? It it does not. Nathan Valdi has had a stellar season so far. um, And he draws a really favorable matchup at the dump against the Athletics. Evaldi is 4-2 on the year with a 322 ERA. And he's coming off an eight-inning shut piece against the Angels. The tough part here about the handicap is that Oakland's pitcher, because uh, we're seeing it's a TBA, 
I think it's going to be Hogan Harris. That's what Fangraphs is projecting. Um, and they made the call up. Um, he's not confirmed to pitch today, but that's what we're thinking because it's his turn in the rotation down in the minors. He's made five starts at the AAA level so far this year. So far, he's 0-1 with a 4.96 ERA, 14 strikeouts, 18 walks in 16 innings. He's a lefty. Texas bombs lefties, fourth in the MLB in OPS against Southpaws over the last month with an 860, and they have a 139 WRC+. plus. Scott, is this like a minus two and a half play for us? Because, I mean, that's what I got. I got nothing else. I'm taking Rangers team totals. I'm taking batting props. I'm all over the Rangers here in this game. Yeah, you mentioned Uvalde having a very good start last time out against the Angels. I actually want to correct you. He had a very good last two starts because the last two starts, he's gone 17 innings and given up no runs. He had a complete game so shot complete against the Yankees to start prior. <laughs> so he's been really good, Uvalde. And I'm curious what the price is going to be. I'm assuming one and a half would probably be like minus 130 maybe in this game. Like, I feel like two and a half might make sense, but I don't think it's going to be that high. I, I think that you can make an argument at some point it might be. But I do think the Rangers one and a half will probably be ceiling 140. I'm assuming going to be closer to like 130 if I had to guess. You're probably going to have to lay some juice, but that's where I'm going. I mean, if you want to give me Oakland uh, in this spot against the worst team I've probably ever seen, besides maybe the Tigers from like 20 years oh, ago. No. <laughs> 2019 what, like, was bad, and I think they win, like, was four, really they won, bad. like 42 games 46, that year, I think. I think. 46. I think 46. Like, that, that's probably the worst team I've seen this millennium. This team's up there. I mean, when your run differential 16 games in rivals teams from 1890, that's not a good sign. I'm going to go with the Rangers <laughs> run line here. Uh, I like everything for the Rangers, as you said before. But I do think two and a half, if you want to take an alt line, I wouldn't mind per se. But I think realistically, you probably could get one and a half at around minus 130, 140, if I had to guess. I think the Rangers probably are like minus 210 in the spot, so I'll take the yeah. Rangers run one. That's that's the realistic approach. I was just going over the top with everything that is. Oh, no, you could take the plus the two. And a, you could probably take the two and a half at probably <laughs> plus money. I, I know earlier this season, I had DeGrum at home minus one and a half against Oakland, and I think that was only like minus 145. And I'm like, all right, like DeGrom against Oakland, sure. And they ended up winning by like three runs or something. But it's still too early in the season where you're going to be seeing blind Oakland fades of two and a half run line. You're still seeing a decent amount of one and a half. I mentioned that the Yankees one and a half at home on Wednesday initially was plus money. Then it moved to minus 110. So you can get decent lines fading Oakland blindly on run lines. I think that this is a spot for it. I'll take Texas on the run line here. Yeah. Once again, before we move on from the game, Hogan Harris, the projected pitcher for the Athletics, has 18 walks in 16 innings. He's got a 496 ERA. Their bullpen is just as bad. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really like it. Um, Scott, we always end the podcast with our lock and dog. You have the honors today. Start us off, baby. All right, so since yesterday when I did the show, I didn't have a line on my lock. I'm going to do the same exact thing for this show. I'm going to go with the Rangers on the run line. I'm going to take the minus one and a half. We just talked about it. I don't care who's pitching for Oakland. Even if the pitcher is decent, the bullpen is still the worst bullpen in the league, so it's not really going to matter to me. Yavaldi last two starts, once again, 17 innings, zero runs allowed. He's been really good. Texas with Garcia, with Himes been good lately. They just have a lot of 
underrated options in that offense. And the bullpen's been solid. I like the overall matchup, but at the end of the day, you're fading Oakland. You're going to make a ton of money if you blindly fade Oakland on the run line in almost every game because this team, once again, I don't think they're reaching 50 wins. I think they're that bad. I I think they're going to win like 47. They're going to be around that Tigers mark from around 20 years ago. They are that bad. Give me the Rangers on the run line. I really think that they win that game comfortably. Scott just dropping this Tigers history bomb on I had to bring it up, though, because they're in (laughs) uncharted territory. Usually the magic number, the Mendoza line. Who hates the Orioles, too? They're in the AL East. The the Mendoza line, though, for bad teams is usually 100 losses. Usually. The the traditional saying is you win 60 and you lose 60. It's the 62 in the middle that decides your season. Yeah, but... I, I do think that well, you mean forty-two in the middle. Forty-two, yeah, my yeah, forty-two, yeah. yeah, all good. But I, I do think that <laughs> there are bad teams which lose a ninety to a hundred games. Then you have generationally bad teams. This is a generationally bad team. It's it's not even the team's fault. Like they no. were assembled by this ownership group. That, like you mentioned, it's straight out of major league. You ever think Billy Bean looks back and thinks he should have taken the job in Fenway? Oh, 100%. Just, just going to throw that out there. It was a pretty big number. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah anyway. What uh, so, they, would they say? And we're going to talk about Moneyball, but that movie is still off. They didn't mention any of the starting pitchers from that power trio of Star well, also They also didn't mention Tejada winning MVP. That's a separate story. You know? <laughs> it's, I, yeah, it's a, it's a brutal omission, and and – the story that they're telling it's just how you paint it is you do the same thing when you're it's all about the narrative man it's all yeah, about the narrative it is so, so, does that dog, does that, so does that mean you don't like the movie because they skip out on some big points you still like the movie anyway so i like the movie but it's not top five because they do miss out on a couple of points and i really like the natural but they have babe ruth batting right-handed so it's not my favorite it's not babe ruth it's the whammer come on <laughs> completely different human being come on okay but uh, wait. So when you say top five, you mean baseball movies, right? Yeah, baseball movies. Field yeah. of Dreams. Does that count? One. I have that at one. If that yeah, counts, that's that's my that's my top. Okay. And uh, two is Major League. Okay. I, I we got the same one too. Okay. And then my three is not your three. That means you're going very very off the beacon yeah. path. <laughs> How'd you know? Because <laughs> uh, you said I'm not going to get it. Yeah, you're, well, I, I would say like we're not, our threes are not the same. My, that, means my third it, favorite, that means it's wait, so it's either like an indie underrated movie or it's going to be like Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield. And you're assuming I'm just not going to guess it. It's indie. It's indie. Okay. Yeah, you what know this scene well then. then I was going to say, what was the movie with that minor? Le- weren't there? Wasn't there a movie about like a bunch of minor league players uh, that came in overseas and they tried? I forgot the name of the movie. Oh yeah, that one's good too, but it's not three. That, that would have been my guess, um, but I don't even have the title on that one. It, so. It's something maybe Soul. It's about a it couple. Of, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it it's good, um, and they can actually play. Like the yeah. actors know how to play. I, I'm, the name of the movie is slipping slip in my mind. My third favorite's Undrafted. Um, okay. So I, I like it because just a former ball player. Half the movie takes place in the dugout, and it's just a bunch of nonsense. And I think it's pretty funny. Um, and the center fielder reminds me of the center fielder on my baseball team. You have Bill Durham in your top five. What? 
You have a uh, Boulder. You have a uh, Boulder. Boulder. Yeah. Sorry, I said Bill. Uh, yeah. yeah, Boulder. Boulder is four or five. I really just know the top three in my head, and I know that Moneyball is outside of the top five. It's usually like six or seven if I get put on the spot. How I'll throw you? a rookie. I'll throw a rookie in the year in my top five. I don't care. It's good. I mean, they've got Rosenberg. Love that damn movie. <laughs> That's such a good movie. I have a great time every time I watch that. But uh, yeah, I, I do have to at least mention Bull Durham because that's usually in most people's like top two or three. Yeah, uh, I like Kevin Costner movies, and I like For the Love of the Game too. That's top ten for me. Really, so, I know a lot of people don't like that movie. They don't like that movie. No, I, I just like Kevin Costner, so it's I, I just put him in the top ten. Um, so your lock is Rangers Run Line. What's yep. your dog? Uh, my dog for the show. I'm trying to think of what I want to take here because I have a couple <laughs> options. Um, there weren't many dogs that really jumped out to me. Like that's kind of the concern here. I do think I'm going to actually. I'm not going to have any alternative team totals up. That's the problem. It's too early. I thought about taking the Twins team total under if I can get it at like three and a half, maybe I'll I mean, we don't have a price on the run line. You gave that as a lock. So I don't see a problem with the team total here. Yeah, I know, but it's still for a dog though. I'd like to actually know what I'm getting. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? I think I'm going to take the, Oh, what do I want to go with? I, you know what? Yeah. I, I think I'm just going to trust my instincts here. And I think I'm just going to go with the twins team total under against the Padres. I mentioned beforehand that, They've been really struggling to even break four runs uh, in the last couple of games here. I believe it's five straight with less than four runs in nine innings. So I'll go with the team total under. I'm assuming it's going to be around four, four and a half, because it's eight and a half, but it's around uh, even split there on the money line. Yeah. Give me an alternative Twins team total of like three and a half. All right. I like it. Um, my lock for the day. I usually go with something with odds right now. That way, like, the listeners listen right away. They'll find it because um, a lot of times I like props, but they don't come out until the morning. And I was I'm looking for the Mets line for the lock, but I, I didn't see it. I don't know what book you twins? had for 135. Um, the Twins line on the money line is... Not the Twins. You said, I said the Mets because the Mets were 135. Oh, the, Mets. the Mets were minus 135. Do you have a book listed for that? DraftKings. Really? I'm looking at DraftKings yeah. right now. I don't, I don't see anything. They take it down. I guess Did so. the Reds officially announced that pitcher. That Not sure. Explain it. I was going to say my dog would have been Mets run line, but I don't see it. My lock is going to be the Mets. I announced that earlier on in the pod. The line might be a Fugazi, but we'll give it to you. <laughs> um, I'm pulling it up right now to see if they confirmed a pitcher. No, so it's still TBD, but I feel like that's what's going on. There's some noise, and they've dropped the line until it comes out. Um, but. If it is, if I am correct on this hunch, it's going to be Ben Lively. He's 31 years old, 26 games of MLB experience. Um, he's average. Um, and this year, he has a 233 ERA in 27 innings in AAA, 16 strikeouts, 10 walks. I just favor Kodai Senga in this game. He's uh, he's going to be a, a pitcher that really is going to miss more bats in this matchup in the Great American Shoebox. Um, whereas Lively, he's a pitch to contact pitcher, like I mentioned. Um, less strikeouts than innings pitched. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's going to be the Mets minus one and a half. And then my dog is the 
D-backs because Arizona, they have the league's best OPS against right-handed pitching, 826 OPS, third-best WRC plus at 121, and the lowest strikeout rate in the league against right-handed pitching. Alex Cobb has gone well, but I think that is what validates this dog price. I think the price is correct, and I just like this handicap a little bit on a guy, a pitcher that I just kind of have a soft spot for. But this offense against left-handed pitching, 691 OPS, that's 19. They're a little bit below league average, 91 WRC+, plus, fifth highest K rate against Southpaws, 25.5%. So I like my guy, Tommy Henry, plus 120 on a short slate. Give me across the line. Um, Scott, the people can find you at Reichel Radio. That's R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio. You have plenty of takes on Twitter. You're doing NBA gambling podcast stuff. You're on the tennis gambling podcast. Uh, tell the people about yourself because um, I don't know if we have you on the schedule here for the rest of the week. I don't know what our plan is, but definitely I enjoyed my time with you on the pod. Would love to have you back. But where can a few people find you and uh, what else do you do for the SGPN network? As far as I know for the schedule for the MLB show, I'm pretty sure it was just these two days. So I'm, I'm not sure if I'll be back tomorrow. If I'm invited, then I'll show up. But if I'm not, then I'm not <laughs> offended. So, yeah, you can find me uh, all over the network, basically. I'm editing half the podcast for yeah. the network. But, yeah, keep them busy. Uh, also going to be in the WNBA Gambling Podcast starting up next week with Terrell. It uh, should be fun. Uh, besides that, doing the NFL Gambling Podcast as well uh, with some episodes there. A little bit of a weird time period in the NFL because, you know, you have a gap between the draft and, like, training camp and all the other yeah. stuff. So you got a couple months to go. SGPN, but you get Dynasty League drafts for fantasy football, and that's about it, right? Pretty much, but I'm not a Dynasty League guy. Uh, uh, so that's not really my speed. I prefer redraft. I won my redraft league last year. I'm not going to fix go. anything. So, yeah, you know where to find me. Also, giving out YouTube free picks every night. So you can find that on my Twitter as well. Awesome. But yeah, for the most part, just gambling on basically every sport. Yeah, you you flexed your fantasy football team. I'm going to flex my fantasy football misery. I had one loss during the regular season, then I lost in the championship. I just had like one of those really, really good teams, and they fucked me over in the last week. That's just the way it goes. Because <laughs> um, I think all of my teams were above league average. None of them won. And then SCPN Dynasty League, we only did a Dynasty League for MLB. I'm sitting in fourth. I've had a really tough schedule so far this year. How many uh, make the playoffs? Two. Six? I think it's six. How does six? We've only it's got ten. Default, so, okay. Yeah, we've only got ten. So, yeah. Not, I mean, we kind of put it together last minute, but we're doing we're doing all right on that front. We might change the platform that we use next year. But, yeah, fun show, Scott. Really appreciate you joining us and helping us out during this week. Um yeah, and that's good. Um, our picks are going to be online, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and then MLB Picks sits under the MLB tab. Um, and, yeah, the show on Twitter at MLB SGPN. Uh, that'll bid us adieu. Adios, amigos.